Welcome in to a brand new Times Leader Sports Report, the first Times Leader Sports Report of 2018. Joining me for the first segment of our podcast, John Erzar. John, how are we doing? I'm doing fine. Enjoying the weather? Yeah, it's uh, it's a little warmer out today than uh, yeah, it has been in the past. Yeah, 20 degrees, so that's, <laughs> that's a plus. That is a plus. Tomorrow it's supposed to be like 8, though, I think, so yeah. we might get some snow. That is fair to say we are recording your podcast on Wednesday. You're, you're part of the podcast. Both yours and Derek's record on Wednesday. Uh, later on, we have a new guest, Michael Reich, the night editor here at the Times Leader. Big yeah. avid Philadelphia Eagles fan. Yeah, he gives us the Eagles report every week. Well, more, we, more frequently <laughs> than that. Whether we like it or not, he <laughs> does give us a report on an update on the Eagles hourly. Yep. And it's, uh, the report has. Been a little bit darker each of the past few weeks. Yeah, since Carson Wentz got in, injured, uh, Mike is slowly hitting reality. Yeah. But before we jump into that, or before we jump into yours, we're going to talk about high school basketball. We have uh, Derek Lavars. He's back from Glendale, Arizona at the Fiesta Bowl. Yes. Paul Sokolowski uh, has actually our uh, our. Uh, girls, well, not just girls, but I guess just our field hockey player of the year, Madison Woods from Wyoming Valley West, will be joining us later in the oh, podcast. Okay. That's good. Uh, truth be told, that was recorded about a month ago. Just yeah, we've had some holiday seasons, and the stats we, we did have a we have an unaired podcast, which will be partially aired a little our, bit later. Uh, our high school football player of the year, Chris Bleich from Valley West, the lineman. Yeah, uh, he's going to the University of Florida. Yeah, Kenneth Marshman. Boys soccer uh, player of the year yep. from uh, Berwick. Also plays uh, basketball. He's kicker football. Weighing his options, could he be a D1 kicker or a D2 or D3 soccer player? He's a very good basketball player, too. Yeah. Those are just the, the athletes that I – those are our athletes that we yeah, have, have yeah. off the top of our head. We're not trying to slide anybody, but we're, we're sort of doing this off the cuff right now. Right. It's, but it's – It's almost Thursday. It's almost, <laughs> it's almost Thursday, but it's what we are, a fresh, unique podcast. Uh, hopefully, because uh, you know we do this live, our uh, our former sports editor Alicia Johnson is currently driving to Tennessee for her new job. She's driving so. through the storm. Yeah, she's she's stopping at Virginia Wednesday night, and she'll be in Tennessee tomorrow Thursday. So safe travels to Alicia. Yes, yes. So I guess we'll we'll just jump right into it. We always go uh, just a small piece of national before we localize it. Urs, we'll start with your Cavs first because you're in a Cavs set. Isaiah Thomas played Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night. Played very well. Played very well. Reception from the home crowd. Yeah. What were your thoughts? Uh, what I saw, I mean, he, he, they used a lot of screens, got wide open jumpers, looked really good. Yeah. Played really well with Dwayne Wade. Yeah. 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 He played played really well with anybody that was on the court, actually. <laughs> and uh, they're going to ease him in. He's supposed to start the next game. Um, which is not not Wednesday's not, not, game. No, which it's is Saturday's game. He's, he's yeah. supposed to compete in the starting Celtics. lineup. Uh, Jose Calderon held his own. Kept the ship afloat, yep. so to speak, from the point guard position, which was nice. Yeah. But your other love, Baltimore Ravens. I just wanted to thank you. And your Ravens. Don't thank me. Thank uh, Dean Pease for playing his own after they're stopping with the... Uh, Putting pressure on uh, for, Dalton. For those of you who don't know, I am an avid Buffalo Bills fan. John Erzar is an avid Baltimore Ravens fan. Yeah. And because the Baltimore Ravens were nine and a half point favorites, I believe, going into their Week 17 matchup against the listless well, you Cincinnati Bengals. 
the Bills fans are all sending money to Andy Dalton's uh, foundation. Yeah, over two hundred thousand dollars. Adam Gase has a foundation because he pulled Jay Cutler after one series, series and put a guy in who I never David heard. Fails. Of. Yeah, he's I. And uh, tell him much more about him. Bengals played all their starters the entire game. Yep. Which you thought they were playing for Marvin Lewis. Turns out, I mean, the guy's going to be their coach in two more years. Yeah, yeah. He's got an excellent track record of losing in the playoffs. 0-7. But anyway, you know, the Ravens should never have been in that position. You can't beat the, the uh, Chicago Bears. They lost them during yep. the season. Uh, didn't even score it off at the touchdown against them. Scored on two kick returns. So... They need some work on offense. They need some playmakers. Uh, Ozzie Newsom has not drafted well lately. Uh, just littered with mistakes. I mean, they could have. Here's here's the thing. You know, the Steelers have Schuster Smith. Mm-hmm. Smith Schuster, or whatever, whichever way you want to call it. <laughs> the Ravens could have had them. Yeah. Said they they took a, a linebacker from Boise State who's terrible. Yeah. The one that kills me. If you look back in the draft. No, no. Well. Here's the thing. I, I was listening to WBAL last night, and they said Rashad Perryman didn't even know how to line up as a receiver when he came into camp. What? Yeah. Oh, boy. But here's the killer. If you look back at the draft, the Ravens drafted a guy from Morehouse State, a tackle, Ramon Harwood, who never played for them. What well, round? Sixth round. Next pick of the draft, the Steelers take Antonio Brown. That just really eat at you a lot? It eats at me because they took a guy that they could have got as an undrafted free agent. Right. Nobody's been – and the guy was terrible. He, I think he played three total games in the NFL. Uh, nobody else ever picked him up after they cut him. You know who's probably glad that he's not with the Ravens this year? Oh. Vlad Dukas, who's this Buffalo Bills starting right guard. Oh, he was terrible and with the Ravens. And he's in the playoffs. He's in the playoffs just because he's – that doesn't mean he's ain't good. Nah, he's been he's been decent at best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a Bills fan, I have experienced something that I don't remember experiencing because the last time the Bills were in the playoffs when I was seven. Oh, they said you were one. That was the, no, that was the greatest comeback. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. You were mentioning that. Yeah, that which is also Wednesday today. Wednesday, twenty five year anniversary. Greatest comeback. Yeah, ever. you'll bring the cake in tomorrow, probably. So it's it is nice to see some new new teams in there. Jacksonville, uh, five new teams in the NFC. I, I don't think Tennessee was any better than the Ravens. Oh, Tennessee was eight and four this year. They're the worst eight and four team in the history of the NFL. And uh, I think the Chargers were would have been a very dangerous team yeah, to be. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But the only way the Ravens didn't make it was a four way tie with the Browns. And, and the reason is the Browns. The Browns is the reason why the Ravens did not make it. Why? They the it, the Bills went in over the Ravens on the strength of strength of victory. Yeah. And what happened? And the fact that you guys beat the Browns twice, who didn't win a game, was the difference. Well, I'm not going to bring up the Browns. I'm good for them. <laughs> so, it's fun. It's great. It's just great to see what Bills, Bills fans' reactions have been in the last few days. Uh, they've donated over $200,000 to Andy Dalton's foundation. Mm-hmm. They've donated a nice sum of money to Tyler Boyd's foundation. Or actually, the pop, the youth football league he played in growing yeah. up. That foundation. At the Bay, there was 300 people surrounded on New Year's Eve. At that point, it was New Year's Day uh, at the uh, the airport in Buffalo. Were you sure they were surrounded or just not stranded because of the weather? <laughs> That's true. That's true. When uh, the team got back, it was it was fun to see. It was uh, It's, it's going to be a fun week, and I don't think the – Well, Sean McCoy plays, which reports 
uh, that I've read today, wet today, Wednesday, was that he was walking around the locker room today in flip flops with no brace on or no walking boot, which is big. Yeah, but you don't play in flip flops, but we'll find out. It's true, so we'll see. All right. So we're gonna jump. Er, we're gonna jump into it. I can see you're getting impatient. You're tired. Yes, I am. Usually, you're, yeah. you're going through. You're just you're powering through a little bit of a cold right now, which we appreciate yes, here at the time yes, later. So we'll just jump into it. Or it's high school basketball. We are in the second week, right? Well, oh. this is the second game they played. They right. played uh, right before Christmas, and they played some more exhibition. Now they're back. This uh, was the second league game. Right. So just overall thoughts, overall what you've seen so far, uh, which hasn't – you saw your second game of the, of the winner so far. Yeah, but yeah. From what are your just some overall – just some points you well, want to highlight? In, in Division Two, uh, I picked Nanticoke to win, and – I had the Nanko area we wanted Nanko to specify. Area. I had to pick one, <laughs> one through six, and honestly, and I said in the preview, you can mix these teams up any way you want. Any team can finish first, any team can finish last, and it's proven that out pretty much so far. And uh, you know, Nanico had a nice victory Wednesday night over Hanover, fifty-two thirty-nine. Really nice effort from Trajan uh, Kropinski. Not only scoring twenty points, he had nine boards, uh, and uh, Nate Kreitzer hit a, a three-pointer. From midcourt, and this wasn't one of those desperation. He shot it as if he was shooting right mm-hmm. from behind the arc, just mm-hmm. perfect form, went right in. Um, they're going to be tough. A lot of teams are going to be tough. Wyoming area is unbeaten so far. Uh, we'll have to see. They have a big game coming up Friday with uh, Wyoming Seminary. I think that's mm-hmm. going to prove a lot. I may be at that one. Um, looking at Division One, Hazleton's just. Hazelton is just destroying teams, and not just teams in our league, but anywhere they go. Uh, they beat Valley West. They scored 94 points, and they're, they're just – they're so good because they, they, they have size. And these aren't your typical – you know, you might have a 6'6", 6'8", kid in high school who might just post up and not have – these kids could handle a ball. They could shoot from the perimeter, so they're, they're dangerous anywhere on the court. And uh, Division Three, uh, it looks like Holy Redeemer, but they lost to Tunkhannock, forty-six uh, forty. Yeah. And uh, Tunkhannock was the one team that coaches said, "Look out for it. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of kids back." And I didn't pick them high. I picked them to finish third in division because the last time the coaches said that about a team, this was Dallas several years ago before Mark Belinsky took over. They said, watch out for Dallas. They're going to be really good, blah, blah, blah. I picked them second in the league. They won one league game. So I, I, I like to have my teams prove, prove a little something <laughs> right now. So we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, Division Two is just going to be really exciting right down the stretch because there's doesn't look like there's a great team and there's no bad team. So. Yeah. All right. We're gonna take a, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we take a quick break? Uh, no. No, right. I'm just uh, looking forward to getting out there and uh, – for the temperature to get a little warmer. Yeah, there we go. I hope they should have a high school basketball winter classic. They should. I think we were talking about that today. I think that'd be a great idea. Yeah. Sweep off the one of the courts at Kirby Park. I don't think they have basketball courts at they Kirby don't? Park. No? They go over Minor Park All and right. sweep it off. Of. Heck, maybe we maybe we shovel off, you know, Spartan Stadium or you know one of the football fields around here and just lay out a basketball court. Like they do oh, yeah, them. they have the court up at the, the Mohegan Sun Arena. I'm sure that the guys up there would be kind enough to lend yeah, it. Yeah, lend it, lend it, maybe go King's College. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it would be interesting to have an outdoor basketball. We should we try to get that going. We used to play in this weather when we were kids. Yeah. So why can't these guys? Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. 
All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, we're gonna you're gonna hear Urs again. It's 2017 Urs. It's about a little high school football update. If I remember correctly, we have classifications we talked about. Yes, yes. That's yes. probably gonna be the thing that makes it uh, into the podcast. So all right. then, uh, all right, we'll be right back with John Urs again. <laughs> Classification changes. Yeah, we wanted to touch on this last week. We had a <laughs> <laughs> we had an incident. <laughs> yeah, let's just say it was a, a minor incident where uh, everybody was a little cranky at that time. Yep, it, was, it was late. It was late, and uh, let's just leave it at that. Yeah. And it wasn't uh, neither of us. No. But anyway, <laughs> we had really there, there's uh, some changes here. Wyoming area dropping down from four A to three A. Not a real surprise. They thought they were going to drop down. They dropped down in, in uh, boys soccer as well. Yeah. Uh, they're always a team when we have four classifications. They would bounce between being a small 3A or a big 4 or a big 2A. Uh, the one I, I really was really strange was Nanticoke going up to 4A. Their enrollment really j- jumped up. And Abington Heights going down from 5A to 4A. So now we only have two 5A teams, Wallenpaw back from Wyoming Valley West. And, you know, playoffs might get restructured. We don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it all depends on how... They're going to probably be in again with District 11. How they want how they want to handle that. Uh, Nanticoke to 4A. I don't know. They still have to do the schedule now. Now that they got all the t- classifications, and I don't know. You know Ron Bruiser does a great job at Nanticoke, but are they ready to, to match up with Berwick and, and, and Dallas and Coughlin teams like that? You know, uh, yeah. Tunkhannock's 4A, and they 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 hardly play any 4A teams. They play mostly a lower classification schedule. So we'll have to see. Um, December 6th, I believe, teams can voluntarily play up. They have to inform the PIAA. I don't really see anybody doing that. So uh, I think we're, we're going to get what we do. You know, we have. I mean, yeah. last year, the last two years, Berwick was a 3A team. They played 4A. And they always play up. But I don't see them going up to 5A. Right. <clears throat> Although that would be interesting. It would be. I mean, you have an easy path, easier path to the state champ playoffs. Yeah. Since you only have to win one game. Right. We'll be right back with Paul Sokolowski and Field Hockey Player of the Year, Wyoming Valley West's Madison Woods. Welcome back to the Times of Year Sports Report. Joining me on the podcast now is our field hockey beat reporter, Paul Sokolowski, and our Times leader, Field Hockey Player of the Year, Madison Woods from Wyoming Valley West. Madison, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Doing good. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Uh, it's, we're trying to get all the All-Stars, all players of the year together uh, for one podcast. So we're th- glad you're able to be here with us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, Paul, I'm going to turn it to you, man. Sure. Um, yeah, I just wanted to ask uh, Madison, w- w- in your mind, what do you think made this year uh, so special for you guys? Well, we've all just worked so hard even in the past four years. And to see it all come together this year and to see how far we've made it, Throughout the season, it's uh, really incredible. I'm so proud of my teammates. Do you um do you have any um you know, moment that was special to you from during the regular season? We all know about you know your uh, your your big goal there in the state semifinals, but uh, during the regular season, was there any uh, favorite special moment that you had or? Um, I can't think of any like particular special moment, but just uh, every game, just being with my friends and uh, playing the game that we love, was just uh, special in itself. 
You obviously reached the, um, the the state playoffs last year. You know, won the district championship. Um, when did you know that this year? When did you really know that you could really uh, be a team that had a chance to go to a state final? Well, even from the first day of preseason, we were working so well together and passing, and I could tell that everyone just had so much passion for the game, and um, that's something that you can't really teach. So, uh, I, you know, right from the start, I could tell that this was going to be a special year. You were more of an offensive player throughout your career. You know, um, uh, what do you think are the qualities that made you have a decent year on defense this year? Um, well, I like, you know, feeling, you know, that dependability from the rest of my team to, you know, defend the goal. And I also like to, you know, communicate with the other teammates about what passes are open and just having those leadership qualities. Um, I think that's what really helps. Is it just communication? I mean, is there any physical aspect to, uh, you know, what makes a, a, a field hockey player pretty good on defense as compared to offense? Um, it definitely takes a lot of good footwork to, uh, to force, you know, the, the forwards, you know, one way or another. And you have to be pretty strong back there too. <laughs> you didn't lose your offensive touch though, you know, you scored a couple of uh, big goals during the season. How were you able to kind of, um, you know, switch back from playing defense to, uh, to becoming an offensive minded person? Because that's sometimes not easy to do. Well, during practice, you know, we, uh, we practice both defensive and offensive, you know, skills and drills. Um, and I just, you know, who doesn't love to score? So when the opportunity comes, you know, I, I take it. <laughs> what will you take out of the state finals? You didn't win that game. Um, you played very well, um, scored against the team that, you know, had been shutting everybody out in the playoffs. Um, what will you take from that state final game? I mean, you know, I know you guys were pretty sad afterwards mm -hmm. and I hadn't talked to you since then, you know, so mm -hmm. what do you take out of it? Well, you know, Villa Maria, they're an excellent team, and they had some great players, and all I know is that I gave it my all for that last game, and I, you know, I don't have any regrets from that game. <laughs> so, Madison, we throw a curveball, a couple curveballs at you. <laughs> Off the field, just tell us what are things that you do, just so, you know, readers and listeners can learn more about Madison Woods, the maybe, you know, the person, the student athlete, the student, and not the athlete more. Just what are your hobbies, what do you like to do for, as far as free time goes? Um, well, I love to sing and dance, and I also play the piano. Um, so I'm, a, you know, I'm always trying to sing at different events when I have the time. So. What kind of what kind of music do you like most? Um, well, you know, I, I don't know. It, it just depends on uh, if there's a certain event. Sometimes I'll sing the national anthem at places, mm -hmm. or I'll sing at you know a, a Christmas recital, or just little things like that uh, to help the community. Uh, now, are you being you know such a great athlete? Do you follow any sports teams as well? Um, well, I do like the San Francisco Giants for baseball. Okay. Um, they're not doing yeah. <laughs> not doing quite as well, but uh, you know, my, my dad's from California, so growing up, I've always been a fan of them. Very nice. Uh, how about school-wise? You know, did you make any type of uh, high honors or honor rolls or anything? Or? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of a nerd in school. Um, I uh, I'm definitely um, you know an honors you know a high honor student in the classroom, so I really care about my grades and I love to learn in the classroom. Weren't you up for like one of the homecoming courts or something like that? I saw something. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm so grateful to be on the homecoming court. That was, uh, that was a really fun experience and uh, it was a great time. We had a great parade, a nice ceremony, and uh, I couldn't be happier for everyone else who made it too. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us. It was a pleasure getting a chance to talk with you. Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Times Leaders... Penn State football beat writer Derek Lavars will join the podcast.
Welcome back to the Times Leader Sports Report. Join me now, fresh from his trip to Glendale, Arizona, Derek Lavars, our Penn State football beat writer. Derek, the Nittany Lions come back victorious. Just your, your whole uh, impression on the entire weekend there for the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, so they took on uh, Washington, and I think uh, probably the best uh, news for Penn State going forward is there is a lot of big questions about how how's Ricky Ronnie going to do taking over for Joe Moorhead as offensive coordinator. And for his first test there, uh, you have to give it an A uh, for, for the offense there. Washington had one of the best defenses in the country, the right. number one run defense. Uh, and you know, the big stat that people were throwing around uh, that Washington, number one in the nation against the run, 92.4 or something like that yards per game. It's about 92 yards per game they're giving up. And Saquon Barkley runs for a 92 yard touchdown uh, that put them up 28 to 7. And then uh, you know, Washington came back, and there was a big. Uh, Sort of here we go again moment maybe for Penn State is thinking back to last year's Rose Bowl, even uh, yeah. in October against Ohio State, uh, sort of that there, but uh, it, the, they held off, held them off this time. They helped pulled out the thirty five twenty eight win. Uh, a couple of the differences really I thought between, you know maybe why they completely coll- yeah, collapsed at the end against USC and Ohio State. Uh, they really didn't have a pass rush in either of those games, and we saw that uh, on Saturday, which was which was a pretty good sign for them. They were able to get to Jake Browning four times, uh, pressure him a bit more, so that was a big help there. I thought that they did really – Washington looked sort of out of – had the ball with a chance to tie with about 34 seconds left there. Really were out of sorts, though, and uh, uh, you know, thanks that the defense did a better job there. Uh, but and then beyond that there, probably the biggest stat from the day there, uh, Trace McSorley was outstanding uh, on third downs. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that. Uh, Trace McSorley went 12 for 12 passing on third downs against Washington. Again, a very good defense. Uh, uh, Twelve Of those 12 for 12 passes, 10 of them went for first downs. So you had two of them were completions were short of the sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them I think they punted. The other one I think they went for it on fourth down and got it. Yeah. Uh, he threw for two touchdowns on third downs. Uh, he, and then total, he uh, accounted for over 400 yards of total offense, about 340 passing, 60 rushing. Uh, so it was a really, when you look at it there, things looked pretty good uh, for uh, for Ronnie. So maybe some there was some trepidation about what it was going to look like uh, with you know Moorhead had such a mastery of the scheme and the system. Well, now you sort of see why James Franklin and Penn State really didn't uh, – didn't take a long look or look outside to bring someone in there because they have the system they want. This right. is the system they like. Uh, we'll be we'll be interested to see in the future how Ronnie sort of takes it forward and evolves it. Uh, I saw maybe a little bit more tempo where they were able to. There was maybe snapping the ball at different times. I thought uh, maybe that caught Washington's defense off guard a little bit there. Uh, I mean, as one criticism that uh, Penn State would sort of take because yeah, they get up, they run up, they get up to, they don't huddle, they get up to mm-hmm. the line check and see what the defense is doing, and then do uh, what they call check with me with a sideline yeah. there yeah. and uh, to adjust the play based on what they're seeing. But uh, at times that can get a little tempo-wise sort of predictable, yeah. and defenses can, uh, in terms of predictable in terms of when you're snapping the ball, right. defenses sort of be able to key on that there. Maybe that was an issue with some of the rushing woes they had early. They were guy where defenses were just in the backfield before Barkley was even getting yeah. the ball. Didn't see that as much against here, uh, against Washington. Uh, and it paid off. 545 yards of total offense. A This is the 48th time Penn State has played in a bowl game, and that is the most yardage they've ever put up by several. You know, I think uh, I don't think they've ever even hit 500 before. Yeah. That's a 40-some-year-old record going back to the 75 Cotton Bowl. Uh, was the last time they had put up that many yards in a mm-hmm. game. 
So, uh, yeah, those were just sort of the, some of the things that uh, stood out uh, over the weekend. I'll say one more thing. The big matchup, <clears throat> looking at it, was Sakon Barkley, you know, one of the top prospects, some call the top overall pro- overall prospect, and Vita V, the, the defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman for Washington, and maybe more of the offensive line and interior offensive mm-hmm. line. Just that matchup with him, and, you know, a couple of two caliber, really caliber guys, how that matchup played out. It was a little interesting. I think yeah, both teams sort of came into the game. You know, we talked a lot about uh, how – more and more now we're going to trend to see these top NFL picks there right. not playing in bowl games. We saw uh, Ohio State as a you know, cornerback to Denzel Ward's probably going to go in the first round, and he basically the day of the game decided no, I'm not going to play. Yeah, uh, yeah. There were a lot of notable guys. Texas lost a bunch. Royce Freeman from Oregon. There was a lot of notable guys. Yeah. So and, and they, especially the lower tier bowls, you'll see that there. But you're going to see it more now. Like I said, Ohio State was playing yeah. USC in the Cotton Bowl. USC in the Cotton Bowl, but. As how that relates to that, uh, what you're asking there, uh, they you know they still both still played a lot there. They both didn't play as much as they might have. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Penn State gave you know probably four or five, at least four if not five full series to Miles Sanders getting in there, uh, just sort of sort of hedge a little bit there, uh, not not one to maybe tempt fate. Yeah, uh, for Barkley and Washington did the same thing. Uh, you know, just he didn't play every series there, but when he was in there. Uh, he, he was in there on the 92-yard touchdown run, mm-hmm. and you really have to give credit to uh, Matt Linegrover, the offensive line coach, and Penn State's offensive line. I think when you consider the opponent, considering the opponent, that was probably their best performance of the year. And uh, they were, you know, these guys, they have been hearing it for most of the year, uh, you know, that they weren't, uh, even from James Franklin, saying, you know, we need to be tougher, more hard-nosed, more physical. And he, right, you know, in November, he basically challenged him. He said he's still waiting for that one guy to kind of take the lead and, you know, sort of set the mentality for the group. And I thought they had that pretty much uh, from the start. So a lot of credit there, right, with you know, Connor McGovern from uh, Lake Lehman right in the middle there. He had a, he had a very good game. He said that 92-yard touchdown run, uh, you know, they had uh, you know, two guys, the uh, Chip Fightaway, and uh, were able to get – get out to the second level, Brennan Mann, uh, the right guard, and McGovern playing center. They were both able to get to the second level pretty quickly and open things up there. Barkley ran right past the hip of the left hip of uh, Connor McGovern on the way mm-hmm. to the sideline. Uh, so that, you know, that, and uh, I don't put, man, was, I think Trace Masori was sacked once. Yeah. And even that, that was sort of, uh, he was scrambling around, and I think it was either a zero or a loss of one right. uh, there. So I, Definitely the best performance uh, by the offensive yeah. line, given that uh, you know, Washington a little banged up there. Their other defensive tackle, Gaines, uh, was also a big, big guy there. He also didn't – I don't think he was 100% didn't play the whole game. So certainly that helped Penn mm-hmm. State and thing there, but I, I think given the criticism that they had faced, uh, you know, they'll take the you – know, they're very happy with their performance. Yeah. So let's look at the future now. There's a lot of different aspects. There's, you know, the recruiting ba- – you know, the recruiting aspect – Saquon Barkley from a personal aspect and some of the other guys, you know, early draft talk, Marcus Allen, I've somebody I've seen in the first round. Uh, and then, of course, the future of the Penn State program where the guys are training. So, Barkley, we saw he declared already over the weekend on New Year's Day. He Just today he announced that he was signing with Rock Nation, Jay-Z's uh, agency. What are your, your thoughts on Saquon Barkley and his future? What stuck out to me and sort of uh... – out there, it's you know, you, it's obviously so easy to find people at Penn State to talk about sort of what he meant, and and really, uh, when you look at it, there, he's if you point to one person, uh, he really sort of helped Penn State get into a new era now, where the first thing 
people are talking about aren't sanctions or scandals or anything like that. They're really for them to take the next step. Uh, he was probably the driving force behind it there. And most people talk about Penn State now. They're talking about uh, you know their, their offense and what they're able to do. And uh, did you see what Barkley did this past mm-hmm. week? But uh, you know, and going through it, as much as all the players and coaches and alumni and fans have talked about him there. What interests me was just following it sort of all year, just sort of what opponents would say about him there. And some of it would be coach speak. Uh, yeah, just sort of like, oh, we're playing him in this week area, so he's probably the best guy we faced and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah there. But uh, was, well, something really struck me was after the game there. So we talked about Denzel Ward and yeah. how he sort of did on the same day there. So right after Penn State had won the Fiesta Bowl, and you know, Barkley was obviously doing TV interviews he's on TV there, uh, it was Ohio State's, I believe it was their wide receivers coach. I'm going to say his name is Zach Smith there. The wide receivers coach went on Twitter and just up and down, just lavished as much praise as you'd probably see an opposing an opposing coach unsolicited, not in a yeah. press conference situation, talking to an opposing player, talking about he's what's right for the game. He's playing, you know, he's playing for the love of the game for his player, for his teammates. There, mm-hmm. this is what he needs. He's talking about, you know, and, you know, obviously a lot of people drew comparisons to, you know, but geez, not that this guy coaching directly is the cornerback and a receivers coach, mm-hmm. but there's some people out there who are drawing comparisons that, well, geez, you know, Ohio State just had this guy who didn't skip down on the game at the end there, and right. uh, maybe some. Coaches weren't happy about there, and then you know he says uh, he keeps going on uh, the receivers coach, and he just says, you know, my son came out to me, said, said that, and it's like, Dad, I want to, I want a Barkley jersey. He's like, Yeah, you, you need a Barkley jersey. He's who you should want to be. Yeah. So it's that sort of thing that I think stands out there more than just, and it, it was almost, it's pretty almost unanimous uh, reaction that people had to him across the Big Ten, across the country, uh, just sort of their interaction with there because he has. Kept a very good head on his shoulders. Uh, you hopefully that uh, you hopefully as not he's got an agency now, and you hope as he you know heads toward the draft there that keeps up for him. He's able to stay ground. It's not mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously he's got he's got uh, family to provide for now. That's what he said. It was basically the, he's really enjoyed Penn State, and probably if all things were being equal, uh, he would have liked to play for another year. But just uh, you know that wasn't a decision he could when make. When you're top five, right? yeah, it's I not a decision so you could make. That's what yeah. he, and, that, and that's what he said there. And he said, you know, I have to, I have an opportunity for my family here. And he talked about, you know, as you hear so often, you know, talking about uh, when I was this old, you know, this age, I promised my mom one day I'd you know, buy her a yeah. house, which yeah. is that's probably what's going to happen. So, well, uh, yeah, we'll see where he ends up there. Uh, obviously, uh, football fans are sort of hoping, geez, hope he doesn't get stuck on the Browns. Right. They do have the four. first two of the top four picks. <laughs> so uh, you have to think percentage-wise there's a decent chance, especially with that number four pick maybe. Yeah. And, uh, John, Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold. Or yeah, who knows? Who knows what they'll do. So recruit for, before we jump into yeah. the team as a whole, recruiting aspect mm-hmm. – what were your impressions in the early signing period? I know, obviously, it happened a couple weeks ago, but this is the first podcast we've had in over yep. a month. So, just your impressions of that, you know, that earlier signing period, and did it help Penn State? Well, sure. Uh, the it helps. A, you're talking about the early signing period, specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I. They seem to. They seem to like James Franklin said that uh, he was fine with it. Uh, they end up it was very successful for them obviously so uh, they signed 21 guys uh, and they probably you know have a, a, probably a few more slots where they're looking when uh, the next signing period starts February 7th and there's a couple guys looking there uh, we're recording this uh, Wednesday night <laughs> the yeah. first second there. Yeah. Uh, Thursday uh, at Thursday at the Under Armour All-American game down in uh, Orlando I believe uh, there's a couple other guys that they're still after who are going to declare uh, 
So they could uh, Thursday is as soon as they might get some more news in there. But yeah, they added 21 guys uh, at the time is ranked number four in the country. It'll probably drop uh, when the classes are all finalized by then because Penn State's pretty close to being full, right. and a lot of teams behind them have more room to add more players. Right. So you'll probably see yeah, they'll probably finish right near. Yeah, you know, sort of, and probably in the top ten, especially if they can add a couple more guys there. Mm-hmm. But towards the bottom, of it maybe more, which would still be the best uh, best class that uh, Franklin's been able to bring in. So that's that's a big help there. Uh, there, the big thing is uh, they added right on signing day. Uh, they added uh, Micah Parsons from Harrisburg High School, mm-hmm. uh, rated the number the number one player in the state, the number four overall prospect at any position in the nation. Uh, he's rated as a defensive end, as a pass rusher, which he's playing a lot there. But Penn State's actually going to start him uh, in spring ball because he is arriving on campus uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, and actually, next, probably next week is when classes will start. They're starting at middle linebacker. Uh, and he's just a really impressive talent with speed, with the speed that he has there and the motor he plays with there. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out because linebacker is obviously their biggest concern uh right. the biggest need that they have so uh there's gonna be a ton of eyes on on parsons that's a big switch from defensive end to middle it is i mean he's played some of it a little bit there but yeah it, it's definitely going to be you know be how they paired up uh maybe they wouldn't have him necessarily making the calls maybe they right. might have someone uh someone else do that uh at least to start and you know, that's not even saying he's going to start there right right uh but uh, he'll be in the mix and like i said they don't have uh with jason cabinda leaving and uh Brandon Smith leaving, and uh, yeah, they lose. I mean, Manny Bowen's no longer on the team there, so they have a lot of uh, a lot of people that are going to try there. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. But uh, even beyond that, uh, they added three five-star recruits uh, as rated by the twenty-four-seven Sports Composite, uh, which is the most that they've ever had since you know they started making star rankings. Right. Uh, uh, they have a receiver named Justin Shorter out of New Jersey there. Who everyone he's also down, I believe, at that Under Armour game in Orlando. And the coaches, uh, just the reports from there, have been raving about him. He's about 6'4", 215, and with speed. Yeah. Uh, so you can, you know, possession, speed, receiver, and by all, you know, by all accounts there, he's got a similar approach and attitude as, as Barkley did there. So mm-hmm. he's a guy you could all just, you know, could see step right in there. We were talking about offense at Penn State. They lose Mike Kosicki. They lose Deshaun Hamilton, mm-hmm. a terrific Fiesta Bowl and a great career. Uh, they lose a lot of production there, but uh, they have a, you know, I think you're going to see Justin Shorter uh, probably step right in, uh, help out the offense, as was the other th- uh, five-star recruit, a running back from Virginia named Ricky Slade. Uh, Shorty's about five nine or so there. So you know, while you're looking at Miles Sanders probably being the starter, uh, we'll see. It'd be interesting to see how they work. Sl- I could see Slade playing as a true freshman too, uh, just mm-hmm. getting him the ball in the hands, maybe as a receiver. Uh, we'll see if uh, maybe he works out a niche as a third down back. Yep. Like that, there and things that carries maybe pro- are almost certainly going to be more split than they were with Barkley. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, certainly the, recru- the recruiting class uh, should help them right away. So this sort of goes right into my next question: just the future of the program. I mean, what the immediate future? What do you think this team looks like next year? And I know the season only ended sure. over the weekend, but w- for the sake of something to talk about right now, the first week of January, I mean, was it? What do you think early on? Your gut tell you what what this team looks like. The biggest, the, I, I still think, mean, yeah. There's people sort of fret, obviously you lose Barkley, and there are games that even this year that they probably wouldn't have won with not for him just making mm-hmm. a play or doing a big play. So you're not going to be able to replace that, even though you know Sanders is a Miles Sanders, former five star recruit, Ricky Slade, five star recruit. You have a couple, of, you have a couple other running backs in the mix there. 
but you do you lose Barkley, you lose Kasicki, you lose Deshaun Hamilton, uh, lose some depth like Saeed Blackmall, uh, one of the offensive linemen and Brendan Mann, but and Joe Moorhead you lose. Mm-hmm. But I, I they're still going to score points next year. I think you know especially with uh, with McSorley in there, his third year, and they're keeping the same system. I said maybe be, I'm just sort of adapting it a little bit, but. Uh, they have, they're going to have a lot of talent still to work with there, and the offensive line should be improved. Uh, like I said, they will probably have most of the same. Other man might be the only guy they end up replacing, and they'll have more depth there. So I think they're going to score. I really do, and mm-hmm. they'll be able to be in games as well as they were this year. There. So the big question, I, more bigger question, I think, is on defense. Yeah. They lose the entire middle of the defense. Uh, both of your starting defensive tackles, your starting middle linebacker, both safeties. So that's a concern. Uh, linebacker is the bigger concern. Uh, you know, defensive tackle, they have guys that have started there, and they rotate so many guys on the defensive mm-hmm. line that uh, I don't think that'll be a big problem. They have so many options of defensive end, pass rushers, young guys too, guys they're adding. And uh, you look at a guy who played as a true freshman this year, Nitor Gross Matos. He had a sack against Washington. Uh, I think you see a lot more reps for him. See another jump from Shane Simmons, another huge recruit who goes, uh, you know, he'll be a redshirt sophomore. And you add that two guys like Ryan Buckholtz. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. See what happens. Uh, Torrance Brown. We'll see if he's able to come back from a pretty serious knee injury. But they're even if he doesn't, like so they have Sharif Miller is going to be back. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Shaka Tony. He didn't play in the Fiesta Bowl, but he was a you know, pass rush specialist they used. Uh, and then at safety, you know, they were Marcus Allen, as you mentioned before, he's going to be tough to replace mm-hmm. there. Troy Apke had a, v- a very underrated season. I think people were sort of wary of him, but I thought especially the second half of his senior year, he was really big. Another big hit for a pass break up against Washington. He was noticeable. So we'll see how that works there. Uh, you know, Nick Scott and Aaron Monroe are two guys who are probably slated uh, to look at safety there. They had a kid they registered that's your name, Jonathan Sutherland, they really like. But uh, it's going to come down to how quickly they can really uh, get things settled at linebacker. I think they're going to try a lot of different guys, and hopefully they can come out of spring with a plan and uh, get things sort of going to the – into the summer there, so uh, I think. When, and then you look at their their the schedule. It's more favorable in terms of home and away in 2018, but they do add Wisconsin. Uh, so instead of playing Iowa North, I know they still do play Iowa. They don't play Northwestern. They play. Uh, they do play Wisconsin, but most of these teams they get at home. Uh, the toughest road game will be at Michigan. Uh, but so they get Ohio State at home. They get Michigan State at home. They get Wisconsin at home. So it, it's sort of and it's not quite jumbled up like it was mm-hmm. uh, this year where they had to play Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State right. in a span of uh, you know, three weeks in a row, basically. Right. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, like I said, I think once they once they sort of settle uh, the middle of that defense and we get that there, I mean, they'll have a chance. Well, you would think that they'll probably be around the same level. You know, I, right now there's the questions on defense. They might be Look at you're looking more at uh, if I had to pick if you held held me there I'd say nine and three right now just off the top of my head uh, just because I said because those question marks on defense mainly but uh, they should be fun to watch again regardless. Yeah. So last but not least here college football you, you cover you know the college football beat as far as Penn State goes college football playoff cha- mm-hmm. championship games on Monday Bama Georgia all SEC game who do you like? I it's hard to ever pick against Bama. Uh, I, I think it's just the experience. I think you go there. I think they're not going to – Georgia just gashed uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma's defense was sort of their liability all year. Mm-hmm. It, it had solidified in the second half of the season, to be sure. Uh, but, yeah, some of those – I mean, some of the things they checked into, I just they're not going to be able to pull off against uh, Alabama there. Just they're, 
you know, Sony Michelle's not going to run for not going to have 200 yards on right. five carries. <laughs> you know, he had 150 yards on his first five carries yeah. or whatever. Nick Chubb broke up another one where they had three guys tackling the midfield. He just ran right through right. them. So, uh, yeah, I I know that uh, Clemson caught him last year. I know they're not invulnerable. I know that uh, they were looking a little, little stretched thin at the end of the year when uh, Auburn got him uh, to keep him out of that SEC there. But, yeah, I, I got to go with the Tide. Yeah. Do you think that being all SEC call, uh, natural championship game is going to maybe expedite the process of expanding the the bracket? You know, I don't. So I, people bring that up because they point to that as the last time it happened as a reason, to, right? That sort of got the gears turned to go from the BCS to a playoff because it was a rematch. Yeah, it, it, it was LSU versus Alabama. Alabama. There's a couple of different things here again. That was a rematch, and they had played sort of toward the end of the regular season. Right. So people were sort of where this isn't a rematch. Bama and Georgia did not play no, uh, this year. So yeah, and uh, so I, I think that's one difference. And also the national title game was just a, that that LSU Bama national game was just a snooze fest. Yeah, it was like thirteen to six. Heavy de- heavy like that, defense right? yeah. on them. Very conservative. Uh, this one, so I think this, I don't think you're going to see quite the same thing in here uh, as that there. I don't know if it, I, it'd be very, very difficult for them to top uh, the Bama-Clemson game from last year. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think it'll be quite that good there. But I don't think there's going to be quite the backlash nationally that you saw between that last LSU-Bama game. I, I, it'll probably happen, you're talking about expanding from maybe four to eight yeah. teams. I think that's probably inevitable, but you're talking about, Probably once the TV deal is up there, it really the only as much as fans talk about this and that there, and I, I don't think it's going to be two SEC teams or this selection or that selection or public outrage. It'll probably just come to a point there where they say, yeah, you know, we can make a lot more money doing it this right. way. So that's what we're going to do. Right, and the other factor I think too is UCF going thirteen and zero. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, beating all. Yeah, the it'd be beat. nice to. Like I said, I, I think I'll, I I don't have a problem with the four team one there. I'd probably prefer eight just because I think. It sets itself so you can have the six, the new right. so-called New Year Six bowls as your four quarterfinals and yeah. two semifinals. Uh, you know, you're really only going a week longer for two teams at this point for, right. for two more teams. Right. Um, and there's all that time off too. In the, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they started earlier. I think they probably started around the same time. They mm-hmm. wouldn't really shake up anything with like the existing bowl structure, which they no. seem to want to keep there and keep these sponsors, keep these bowl people happy. Right. Nothing would really change with that. So that tells me that, yeah, probably sometime down the line, yeah. uh, you're going to see it expand. There will be, you know, probably the five yeah. conference champions. They'll maybe uh, do it how they do now where they t- you did add the highest group of five team, right. assuming they're ranked above a certain amount there. Like they wouldn't right. be flexible. It is now like, you know, the – a New Year's Six spot is guaranteed to the top group of five team yeah. only if they're ranked above a certain, you know, if they're okay. above yeah, a certain right, point. There, right. if there's a year, so that gets them out of it so they're not put, don't end up with some eight and four right, right, right. team from the MAC or something like that there that, that, that got in there. So I think uh, it'll, it'll probably happen down the line, but yeah. I, don't, I think it'll be driven by money and not right. who made the playoff or who didn't make the right. playoff and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Tom Vineski with the Wilkes-Barre's Grand Penguins and the Outdoors. Welcome back to Times Square Sports Report. Join me for the first time in the new year, 2018. Tom Vineski, our Wilkes-Barre Scram Penguins and Outdoors Beats writer. Tom, how are you doing? Good, DJ. How are you? Did you have a good holiday season? Yes, I did. Good. So, we'll just start with the Penguins. 
How was your holiday season? My holiday season was good. When uh, the Bills got to the playoffs. That's right, yeah. That was fun. Went yeah. to a wedding. That's Christmas, fun. New Year's. Right? Yeah. It's a good time. Outdoor wedding? Or Indoor something? wedding. Okay, that's good. Indoor wedding. That's good. The bridal party took one photo outside, and I heard it was terrible. Yeah. That experience. Because it, it, was, it was on Saturday before New Year's, and that was still like five-degree weather. It's typical. typical. Well, not, not really, though, right for right now. I feel was like, it in Buffalo? No, I don't live in Buffalo, Tom. But you go back. You said you were at a game. I did go to a game in Buffalo a couple weeks ago, yes. But uh, I, I'm from the Albany area. Okay. So it's warmer in Albany than Buffalo. Yes. We don't have the lake effect snow and Got it. wind chills from... That could be brutal. Yeah. Very brutal. There's a time I was driving back from Utica, the HL. Yeah, you go. And I was about an hour. It's about just over an hour north of me. Okay, and uh, it was in, in end of January, and the there's a whiteout on the interstate, and it's snow, snowing sideways, and uh, it was a nightmare. Once you get by Syracuse, though, it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Just Utica to Syracuse yeah. was bad. So, I guess that's where it ties me in. First off, and you probably don't know this off the top of your head, maybe you do. Where is the All Star Game this year? Utica. Oh. So that why I brought it up, tie everything together? I knew you were going to ask. I actually probably wasn't going to, but then you brought oh, it up. Okay. But it's good you did. Yeah, Utica. So, you know, speaking of the all, HL All-Star game, the Penguins. It's been a while since we've had an opportunity to talk in other podcasts. We've been very busy here at the Times Leader, and we're finally getting back into a groove now. Now the holidays are over. Just how has the Peng- how have the Penguins been for the last month and a half? And where where's the trajectory? Where are they pointing? How are things Penguins-wise? They went through a tough stretch. They lost, uh, I believe it was 10 out of 14 games they lost. So they, they went through a tough stretch. Been a lot of movement in the goaltending position with call-ups, Pittsburgh, injuries. Michael Layton is still hurt. So that, uh, that created a, a sense of a level of uncertainty, if you will. But they won the last three games with Anthony Peters, who is the, the backup, who is starting now, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they won three in a row, so it's trending back up after it was trending down for a little while. And I, I should also point out, uh, I want to jump back to Utica, if yeah. I could, sure. that today at 3 o'clock, the AHL announced the All-Stars, and Daniel Sprong and that. Casey DeSmith made the team. Saw that. They're your Penguin representatives this year. And are they still doing it by divisions like they did last year? Same exact thing. Which is what the NHL does. Yeah, it's uh, Atlantic Division All-Stars. So moving forward, I mean, this team's got a couple of games this weekend. Where where are they pointing right now as far as the future holds? Upwards. Upwards. That's all you got? No, that's uh, (laughs) just joking with you. Uh, Yeah, it looks like Casey DeSmith is not going to get recalled to Pittsburgh. There was some concern about that because Tristan Jari suffered Mm -hmm. an injury the other night, but it's not bad. He practiced practiced today. So they're going to have Casey DeSmith and Anthony Peters as the goaltending tandem for the weekend, which is is good. Uh, they, They can certainly have success with that. And they have Springfield on Friday and Belleville on Saturday, both at home. And then they have a long break after this. So they're going into this weekend with a three-game win streak, which gives them confidence. They they had a dramatic overtime win on Wednesday last night, so they have uh, momentum from that as well. So it's it's looking good heading heading into the weekend. All right. So let's look ahead now to the outdoors. 
what's going on in the outdoors. I, I feel like we, I mean, we. I think we didn't even have a podcast during when deer season was. I think we had one. Bef- we had the one the week before deer season. That was the last podcast we had, middle of November. How was deer season in the area, and what are we looking at? What do you have on tap as far as the outdoor section this weekend in the paper? Well, um, deer season in the area, the it's probably it's probably going to shape up to be a pretty good deer season harvest wise just because the weather was relatively mild for at least the first week of the season if not into the second week so that that made uh made things easier for hunters so the harvest is probably going to reflect that and as far we'll find out in march by the way that's when the game commission Mm -hmm. releases the the harvest figures and as far as your other questions yeah what do you have coming up this weekend this weekend, I'm working on two things. One is a name change at the, for the Pennsylvania Game Commission. They're, they're not going to call themselves the Pennsylvania Game Commission anymore? They are, but their officers are going to be called something mm-hmm. different. They were called Wildlife Conservation yeah. Officers, and now they're going to be called Game Wardens. Okay. It's just a, they're doing the change because it's easier for the yeah. public to – public knows more what a Game Warden is mm-hmm. than a Wildlife Conservation Officer. So they're, they're hoping it's just going to make things easier with, with the public and outreach and things like that. So I, I'm talking to a couple of uh, uh, Game Commission officials about that, and I'm also going to look into what this cold weather we're having means for mm-hmm. outdoor activities and wildlife and uh, anything else that has to do with nature and the outdoors. Ice fishing is, is picking up too, by the way. I was going to say, you, can just, you drive past some of the rivers and you start to see it starting to freeze. It's interesting. But, speaking of the Albany area back home, yeah. they have the polar plunge at Lake George, which is the one that is the biggest lake on the eastern side of New York State, not including Lake Erie, obviously, but it's you know, 31 miles long. And um, and it's actually, they have, the, they have a polar plunge every New Year's Day, and it was already frozen, which is the first time it's happened in like over a decade so they had the fire department came and had to carve out circles for uh, people to jump and cut through the ice yeah yeah, yeah. anyways you were you were saying about the cold weather here um no it, you mentioned something i'd like to talk to talk about though about the uh ice fishing on rivers yeah that's that does go on around here that's very dangerous just because of the moving water it makes right. the very ice the ice very unpredictable so, uh, use so disregard caution. everything I said. No, no pe- <laughs> pe- people do it. Yeah, um, they they do it around here. It's it's it could be risky. Uh, just use caution. The the common mindset is ice has to be four inches right. thick, and it should be clear ice. The the cloudy ice isn't as strong as clear ice. Right. So uh, keep that in mind. Ice fishing's fun, but don't take chances. There you go. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Michael Reich making his debut on the Times Leader Sports Report. Welcome back to the Times Leader Sports Report. Joining me now for the first time ever, ever, our night editor, Michael Reich. Mike, how are you doing? Good, esteemed night editor. Michael. Esteemed night editor, yeah. Good, DJ, how are you? Doing good. For those of you who don't know Mike, I don't know how many of you do. Maybe not a lot. Maybe a lot. Who knows? Mike is a big Eagles fan, and he's been tr- he's been dying to get on the podcast for the last couple of months. It's true. Well, I thought you asked me. Go ahead. 
No, you've been trying to get on. <laughs> and uh, l- let's be honest, <laughs> the Eagles' time might be running out. No. So we'll give you this one-week primer before their actual game next week right? against whoever it may be, the the, the lowest remaining seed, the NFC. That's right, because they're the one seed. Right. right. So while you do a primer, we can. I'm going to let you go. I'm turning the mic to you. And, uh, well, first off, I know that you're a Bills fan. I am not a Bills many fan. people know that. And oh, every, I made it clear at the beginning of the podcast. Okay, 1999 was the last time they I made was the seven. playoffs. Any idea in the last time they actually won a playoff game? Uh, I know they have a 22-year playoff drought, so no eight. for for uh, wins, right? So that's what 90, 96, 95, 95. No yeah. playoff wins since nineteen ninety-five. So it's yep. great that they're in the playoffs. Yeah, and they I don't think there's I don't think there's such a long shot either. Uh, no, at least Vegas won one game. Vegas one thinks game. they're a long shot, but I don't well, I'm going to get into that because I have some interesting algorithms. All right. All right. Now, I wanted to talk about the Eagles since I am a big Eagles fan. Yes. And the Eagles have looked horrible the last two weeks. They have. Playing in very cold weather, playing on frozen field, basically, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Doug Peterson came out this week, the Eagles head coach, and said, well, you know what? We're going we to adjust to the cold weather. We're going to run the ball out. We're going to play defense. That's cold weather football. Right. Okay, fine. And that sounded good and this and that. And right now as I say this, what, tonight's supposed to be uh, 15 degree uh, wind chill or something? Yep. Tomorrow's supposed to be 20, 25 degree wind chill. Brutal weather in the next couple mm-hmm. days here and down in Philadelphia. But the point people are missing is going to get very warm next week. Very warm. And I looked up at the, for, for instance, by this very Saturday, warm, what's your, what's very Well, warm? this Saturday in Philadelphia, if they're playing the game this Saturday as mm-hmm. opposed to next Saturday, this Saturday they're predicting a high of 16 in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Next Saturday they're predicting a high almost 40 degrees. Wow. 38, yeah. and it's supposed to be in the 40s from Wednesday on next week. So they're yeah. going to be so they're going to be able to get the field in good shape, right. and they're not going to be limited offensively in what they could do with either team. Well, they'll still be limited offensively, if you know what I mean. Well, the Eagles. Make it <laughs> okay, and now I did see today where Foles is the second lowest uh, uh, among uh, considering uh, concerning QB rating. The second yeah. he has the second lowest quarterback rating among quarterbacks. The 12 of them who were in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't bode well. No. But, you know, one-game scenarios, anything can happen. Yeah. I mean, you look at the one game, his first game was very good. Right. I think the cold weather played a role with him, though. California guy, went to school where? In Arizona, right? Yeah, Arizona. But okay, well, uh, I think cold weather hurt the offense, hurt him the last two games. I think he's not going to have that limitation Saturday when they play their first playoff game. Okay. All right? Well, there's going to be a lot different out there. People are missing that point, and I hope the Eagles don't limit themselves. Uh, you know they're gonna have the flexibility to open up. You know, run their normal offense. Right. And forty degree game day is just like it would be in late October, early November, right? Right. right. Weather's not gonna play play a role. It's not gonna be a cold weather game. Okay. Yeah. So that's number one. I hope they're not missing. People aren't missing the point. Or the Eagles themselves aren't missing the point about wh- how they're gonna be limited or what's gonna happen that day. I've been saying for a couple of weeks they're most likely gonna play New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And the way it works, the way it looks, uh, I know New Orleans would have to beat Carolina three times. But uh, because they've already beat Carolina twice this year, but we'll see what happens. So now I wanted to talk a little bit about the playoffs too and the seeding. Yeah, because I love this because you know we're down to the last eleven football games of the season. Yes, I do. So these games are all broken down and gone over and reviewed, and you kind of savor the last eleven games. Right. Okay. So um, one thing I like to look at, and it's if you're listening, there's a good site. It's called 538.com. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Okay. The guy behind it, I forget his name, Nate Silver. Yeah, it's it's ESPN ESPN's website. It's ESPN. It's affiliated. Yeah, it's where they get their stats from. Okay. 
and that's where you get the wind probabilities yep. from and everything else like that. Right. Okay. So very good stuff on that. And I don't know if you knew this, but their methodology is they, uh, they, how they forecast games and forecast probability and win percentages is they run like 100,000 simulations mm -hmm. through a season and come up with the best winner. So it's interesting to come up with numbers. So any idea who would be – well, let's start with Buffalo. Yep. For instance, the game Buffalo is about ready to play on Saturday at Jacksonville. What would be Buffalo's win probability there? Any idea? I want to say probably 25%. 41%. Is it really? That's not bad, right? Jacksonville has a 59% chance of winning that probably game. Probably the lowest percent. Is that probably the lowest percentage this weekend? No, it's not. The biggest really? long shot, according to that, would be Tennessee at Kansas City. Kansas City has a 75% chance yeah. of winning. Yeah. Now, interestingly, uh, Atlanta at the Rams – which you would think the Rams would be pretty clear favorite, right? Yeah, yeah, a good amount. Yeah. Well, that actually the win probability comes back with Atlanta favoring Atlanta at fifty-one percent. Really? And the odds makers have that game as a pick'em. Really? Isn't that interesting? That what are they seeing there that I'm not seeing? Well, I would think the Rams are a clear favorite. Well, you know, they're. I think they're. The way I see it is, I think that Atlanta's got the postseason. You know. You mean the hangover okay. effect from losing? No, 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 no. They have postseason experience. Something that you know. Oh, okay. Sean McVay, right. when he's been talking about how he's measuring these games, he's talking about, oh, well, we played the Eagles this year, we played the Vikings, but you know, Lost regular season games. game with you know regular season game with the Eagles. Sure, they're the, they're the one seed right now, but that's a lot different than a postseason game. And Atlanta went to the Super Bowl, yeah. and I still think that Matt Ryan has not played well this year, and I I know he's a better quarterback than that. And I, I just wonder if you know they're going to LA. It's going to be warm. If that they're going to be, if there's going to be an opportunity to make some moves. Uh, I wouldn't. I would still think the Rams are clear a favorite to win that game. Um, but what the numbers are telling you, I'm, this is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. So that's what the, they would tell you. All the home teams. Well, all the home teams except for uh, the Rams will yep. win this week. Um, the Rams are kind of like a 50-50. But then if you look further on this, they give uh, win percent uh, chances to make the Super Bowl. Yep. Buffalo's is uh, 2%, by the way. Let's go. Tennessee's is 1%. At least they're, they give us better shot than Tennessee. <laughs> who, would be, who would have the highest percent chance to make the Super oh, Bowl? Oh, easily New England. 55%. Third would be the Eagles at 35%. Really? Third would be Minnesota at 33%. Okay. So the Eagles are two? Yeah, but 35%. So basically they're telling you Minnesota and Philly has a one out of three chance and New right. England has a one out of two, 50-50, yeah. a little bit better than that. And Pittsburgh at 28% would have about a one out of four. Yeah. And everybody past those four teams is 11% or less. So you're talking one of 10 versus one right. of four or one of right. three. So that that's a big difference. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the chances to win the Super Bowl, New England goes from 55% to make it to 31% to right. win it. right. All right. Now, interestingly, Philadelphia has a better chance to make the Super Bowl, but no probability to win a Super Bowl. They have a lesser chance than Minnesota yeah. to win the Super Bowl at fifteen percent, whereas Minnesota's is about twenty is nineteen. And yeah, I remember Minnesota would be playing at home. There you well. go. That would make that would account for that, wouldn't it? And that would be the first time, of course, yeah. a team ever played a Super Bowl in their home game. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Case Keenum is a Super Bowl quarterback. And you could say it's Nick Foles a Super Bowl quarterback. <laughs> He's not. But I think he is. Nick Foles has more of a pedigree. Nick Foles, Nick Foles has started three seasons worth of games. Right, but Case Keenum is have putting up you know, an MVP-like season. See what happens. And Buffalo and Tennessee have less than 1% chance of winning the Super Bowl. That's all right. We just got to dance. That's all we need is that sliver. And now we just keep running with it. Those numbers are interesting. And if you look at that week by week at 538.com, the win probabilities, they don't get every game right. But, no. boy, they'll get 85% of them right. Yeah. 
So that gives you a good idea, and I don't know how much the average fan knows about that, how much it comes down to the, the numbers and the trends and what these guys are looking at. Speaking of trends with one seeds, and the Eagles being a one seed, last time the Eagles were one seed was 0-4 out mm -hmm. of the NFC, and they did make the Super Bowl and lost to New England. Yep. A game which I won't forget anytime soon. <laughs> the last NFC number one seed to win a Super Bowl, any idea? I'm going to go back when the Rams beat the Titans? No, it was more recent history than that. It was the 13 Seahawks. Okay. They were a one seed that year. And before that, the last one seed to win a Super Bowl out of the NFC was the Saints in 09. So, I mean, basically, the NFC. The one seed in the NFC wins the Super Bowl. Lately, it's been once every three, four years, right? But it's interestingly, I bring it up because in the AFC, the AFC's last three number one seeds have won the Super Bowl. That would be the 16 Patriots, the 15 Broncos, and the 14 Patriots. Right. So that's interestingly. But if you look all since 1990, the current play playoff format, the one seed, uh, you know, it, it's no more than a 50-50 ch chance Right. To make the Super Bowl, right? Uh, a lot of the, you see a lot of losses in a divisional round for those uh, for those uh, teams, but uh, I you know the numbers this year, if you're going just strictly by the uh, by seeding and probabilities, yeah, you're looking at a New England Philly Super Bowl again, a rematch from all four, or a New England Minnesota Super Bowl. Maybe Pittsburgh can get in there somehow. And I talked to you yesterday when we were speaking in the newsroom, unscientific opinion, just a gut feeling somehow New England doesn't make it. And I thought about that more today. How do I, th how do I think New England is going to make it? Well, you know what it came down to, DJ? Karma. All right. Because I, well, because New England, how many breaks have they gotten in games oh, this they've year? Gotten, they've gotten four breaks that have changed the outcome of games. Right. In New England, you know, you could call it luck, but luck is where they say opportunity makes success, and I believe part of that too. Luck is where opportunity meets success, okay? Um, because you put yourself in position to get lucky and to get a break, and right. that'll be, you know what I mean? If you're getting blown up by 30 points and they call it Jesse James's touchdown incomplete, right, well, right. what difference does that make, right. right? They're right in that game, right? But they're, and as good as New England is, and I don't like New England, but you have to respect them. They have been very good. There is always a limit to how good you could be. They've won how many Super Bowls? They've had five. how many? 12, 14, well, yeah, five Super Bowls all since uh, in the last 15 years since 01. There's a limit to that. And they've been exceedingly lucky this year. I think at some point they're going to be a little bit unlucky. Mm -hmm. Something's going to come up and bite them. Again, unscientific. I just think that's the way things go. If you look at it, right, team, yeah. eventually something comes back to right. get you. Just how I feel. So if being if that ends up happening, who would be the next logical choice to get in there? Would be Pittsburgh. Wouldn't it be great to have an all Pennsylvania Super yeah, Bowl? Yeah, and you look at it from that. Speaking of Pittsburgh, you know when they ended up losing to New England at the end. There, they lost Antonio Brown that game, and let's say they had him at the end of the game. Yeah, uh, exactly. And he's trending in the right direction. He'll be back, Antonio Brown. He'll make a big difference, but the game will be up there in New England, and who knows what kind of weather. Unless Buffalo can take him down. You never know. Stranger things have happened. We talked about that. That when Buffalo, know, it's hard England to beat a team three times. That's right, and that's what uh, New Orleans would have to do to Carolina this week. Although I think they're going to, but specifically about the Eagles, if I were to predict it out, I, I would say that they would win their divisional round game because now the Eagles have adopted kind of like an us versus world approach. Mm -hmm. They're getting no respect. Everybody expects them to be a one and done in the playoffs. That could be a very good motivator. You expect them to be a one and done in the playoffs. That's fine. So you're right. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think that could be very good motivator 
uh, for a team that still has a lot of talent and is playing in its own building, especially in that first round, that divisional round, where you're playing an opponent that's not going to be, you know, you're going to be probably still even with Foles as quarterback, you're right. going to be evenly matched with them, basically, right. right? If it's a New Orleans or a Carolina or Atlanta, right. none of those teams are that much. They're about equal to the Eagles, or maybe a little bit less. So I think they get through that first game, the divisional round game, but then I think the championship game for the conference, the NFC, would be a 50-50, a true 50-50, thinking versus Minnesota. And then the Super Bowl, you would have to see what happens. But I, I think they, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be fun one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. But And I know I've been very loud and boisterous about the Eagles this been. year. So it's been nice to see you come all back to earth a little well, bit. Well, a little bit, but weeks. I'm thinking, you know, I have Mondays off. So if they lose on a Sunday, uh, there'll be a day buffer in there. I want to have to do the walk of shame through that's the newsroom. Well, we can still do it on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. So if you really want my prediction and come down to it, I'll give you my Super Bowl prediction. I'm thinking an all Pennsylvania Super Bowl between the Eagles and Pittsburgh. And wouldn't that be fun? And who wins? Who would win? Yeah, who wins? Well, I'm going to say the Eagles. You can't get that point. You're so you're so bought in. You can't go the opposite <laughs> way. I, we'll see, Mike. It'll be fun. All um, right. I appreciate the time today, DJ. Yeah. It's been my pleasure. We'll have you next week. We'll have you back next week okay. with an update. Yeah. That way you can get your true feel with the Eagles opponents and all. I'll break down the matchup for you. Yeah, I'll all be right. looking forward to it. All right, DJ. Bills beat Jaguars. And I'm, I'll I'm be rooting serious. for them. Chiefs beat Titans. Okay. And New Orleans beats Carolina. And it's Atlanta. Those are all the favorites. It's Atlanta. And who's the other one? Rams. And Atlanta beats the Rams. And a lot of times, at least one home team would lose in the wild card weekend. Atlanta so beats the Rams. Okay, so that would be the run road team. And the Bills. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Games. There we go. All right. We'll see so what we'll see happens. What happens. So I'm on the record. All right. When we come back, Joe Soprano, the brand new executive editor, Joe Soprano. Wow. I making know. his first appearance on Closing Thoughts. As an executive editor. Should be fun. Welcome back to the Times Leader Sports Report. Joining us now in his new form with his new title, executive editor of the Times Leader, Joe Soprano, for Closing Thoughts with Joe Soprano. Joe, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. I'm just doing great. It's, it, it, it's great to be coming to these people live from the Palatial Times Leader Studios. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a new year. New year. Uh, I, I hope new every- me. I hope everybody had a, a wonderful holiday season and, and celebrated whatever 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 holidays they celebrated. I hope they celebrated. And we're back. Closing thoughts. We're going to be back weekly now uh, after our slow. Uh, we had yeah. a disappearance yeah. hiatus. We had a winter hiatus. Well, you know all the TV shows. I, I was watching that uh, that show with the Kiefer Sutherland. You ever watch that show? I did early on. I watched it. Yeah, I was watching uh, that show. Something Survivor, Lone Survivor, Designated, Designated Survivor, survivor. And, and then it went off the air. And it's not back till March or February or April or something. You know what comes back in April? The final season of New Girl. Just announced today. April 10th. I'm excited. Uh, I wish I could say I was excited for you. <laughs> but I wish you the best of luck with that. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. So, closing thoughts. I guess we have, there's a lot we talk about. Your Carolina Panthers are in the playoffs. They're, they'll be out of the playoffs come Saturday, probably. You don't think Sunday they can beat about. the Saints? Well, they've lost to them twice already. But you know what it says? It's hard for a team to beat a team three times in one you know season. What? I think that's a myth. Chances are, if a team's beaten a team twice in one season, it's it because they're better than that team. <laughs> there's no magic formula the third time that team that's lost twice is going to be better. So, I, I don't expect the Panthers to be able to beat the Saints 
in New Orleans on Sunday afternoon. All right, well, let's go ahead and do a brighter topic. New York Mets. No, I'm just joking. We won't put you through well, we, that. <laughs> speaking of brighter topics, it is 2018, and there is a big event come May that we're all getting ready for in 2018. Well, maybe you haven't been invited. The royal wedding of northeastern Pennsylvania, the Nickelback nuptials. <laughs> oh, that is very true. I heard that not only I think they upgraded from a Nickelback cover band to Nickelback. Well, I heard. I heard you pulled some strings. I heard as the executive editor. I heard young Bridget Edmonds is making her fiance get his face tattooed so he'll look exactly like the uh, Nickelback lead like singer. Like Jack Kruger? Is that who that is? It because is I'm not a big fan. Yeah, not not like not like some of the kids in the newsroom. Right. And there's multiple, multiple people in the newsroom that are Nickelback fans that we've learned. Now, I've been told that while you're a Nickelback fan, you're a bigger fan of this other fella, this Chase the Rapper. <laughs> okay, first of all, Joe, I feel like I have to tell you this every day, almost every day. Chance the Rapper is the guy. That's what, that's what I said. Chase the Rapper. He's that guy. He sells those hats with the numerals on yep. them. Also could, with Kit Kat bars. Can you only get the number three? What if I wanted, like, the number nine? Only the number three. Or the number 26? You'd have to wait for six more albums and then for 23 more albums. Oh, the, the number corresponds to an album. Yeah. Well, isn't that interesting? Day, but, yeah. I, I did not know that. You didn't know that? You learned you just something thought it was every day. I just three, thought it was a random number three. <laughs> I thought maybe he was a Dale Earnhardt fan. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, your Penn State Nittany Lions finish off on a high note, something Michigan wasn't able to do. Well, I, I think uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to be on the hot seat next year. Yeah. I think if, if he doesn't uh, beat Ohio State and have himself at, at the end of the season in a position to go to the New Year's Six Bowl, at least if not the playoffs, he might not be there the following year. I think it's maybe somebody else will be coaching the Michigan Wolverines in 2019. Or it also won't completely surprise me if by the time the uh, NFL season rolls around, that he's got a new job, he's got a new job in the National Football League. It's awkward as we are taping the podcast here. Your phone's ringing. You very, are... very busy man. Very. That's <laughs> it that, rang once though. So that's possibly the president himself, who who I hear <laughs> listens in live. It makes sense to the closing thoughts portion of the Times Here Sports Report. Closing thoughts. All right, Joe, do you have any more closing thoughts? Since you're a busy man, I know you got uh, lots of things to do. Well, it's going to be cold out this weekend. Stay warm. So stay warm, but remember to, remember to get your exercise in. Get out there and get your running in because the Scranton Half Marathon is 94 days away now, and we've all got to be ready for the Half Marathon. But make sure you don't run 13 miles during your training, right? No, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. I, 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 I'm part of this group, the Nipa Fit Chicks. And some, of them, have, before, some yeah. of them have flown completely <laughs> off the handle. Completely <laughs> off the handle. They're running. Why would you run 13 miles before the race? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm not a runner. And they're like, well, we did our best times when we followed this. I, don't, I just want to finish the darn thing. Who can? You know, if I could, I wouldn't run two miles before the race. I might take a cab this year. <laughs> there you go. These, these, these fit chicks or whatever they call themselves, they're a little bit crazy. Yeah. But that's all, all I got. All right. Well, thank you again for tuning in to the Times of Year Sports Report. My name is DJ Eberly, and on behalf of the Joe Soprano from Closing Dust to Joe Soprano, Michael Reich, Derek Lavars, Paul Sokoloski, John Erzar, Tom Vineski, and Madison Woods, who joined us, our field, Times Leader Field Hockey Player of the Year. Thank you for listening to the Times Leader Sports Report. We'll see you next week. Same time.